Welcome to the Simplify Finance Podcast, powered by Palma Bella Consulting. No gimmicks, no schemes, just solid, simple ways to recapture control over your finances. And now, broadcasting from Palma Bella Studios in sunny Orlando, Florida, here is your host, Troy Peterson. Well, here we are at the start of a brand new year. We're right at the beginning throes of 2017, and I know many people make New Year's resolutions, and uh, they're stick ready to stick with them and be firm on the 1st of January. Uh, they're still resolved on the 2nd, on the 3rd, but on the 4th and 5th, you start to see a little bit of determination run. And here we are about halfway through the month of January, and I know a number of people have already forgotten about or given up on their New Year's resolution, and sadly, Many more will forget within the next couple of weeks. Uh, st- statistics to show us that anywhere from 70 to 80 percent of the people who set a New Year's resolution will not ever fulfill that New Year's resolution. Well, I'm here to help you out. If your resolution this year was to do something better with your finances in order to take steps toward getting out of debt, building wealth, becoming financially free, then we're here to help and support you along the way. So I know that the only way to ever accomplish a goal in life is to build a good solid plan. So we're going to talk today about what it takes to build a solid financial plan. What are the steps and what are the processes that you need to do? If you made a resolution this year to improve your finances for 2017, then you absolutely need to follow this process to start to lay out a very simple plan. Now, step one is perhaps the hardest part of that plan, and that's to simply find out where you're at now. Now, this is so hard because we're not given a basic financial education in this country. In fact, we're really not given a basic financial education at all. And I'm thoroughly convinced that that is because a people who doesn't understand money is more easily controlled by money. And we're lied to and told that as long as we can afford the payments in life, then we're okay. We're doing fine. We're financially successful as long as we can afford our house payments, our car payments, our boat payments, our credit card payments. Well, you name it. If we can afford the payments, then we're doing okay. Well, you've been lied to. That's a form of control and manipulation. It's really nothing more than modern-day slavery. And the first and most important step to becoming free from this system of modern-day slavery is to know exactly where your money's going now. Now, this is hard because it's a very embarrassing step for a lot of people. I've done a lot of consulting with people throughout my career, helping them to get out of debt and to really get ahead of their finances. And we always deal with the debt first. You want to make sure that your debt's out of control. Now, if you've been listening to us, you know that I'm not one of those kind of people that's totally against debt. I believe that well-managed debt means a well-managed credit report and a well-managed credit score gets you further in life, especially in our society. So you've got to manage and maintain a certain amount of debt. The idea is to not let the interest run run away from you. There's a tongue twister. Don't let the interest run away from you. But you got to manage your debt. Now, this is what makes money tough to deal with. Every single person, whether they've had one debt or a hundred debts, it doesn't matter. Every single person without fail that I've ever sat down to an initial financial plan with has apologized to me for their debt. We are embarrassed. We are ashamed because of our financial condition. Well, stop it. It's there because that's the way the world wants us to work. It's the way the system's set up to work. It's set up to keep you trapped. It's set up to keep you in bondage. It's set up to make you a modern day slave to our system. So just get over it right now. 
There's no room for embarrassment. There's no room for condemnation. You just need to find out where you're at. And when you find out where you're at, now we've got a starting point. You can program your financial course, start charting your course, and go from there. But if you don't know where you're starting, forget it. So you've got to first discover where your money goes. Now, one of the best ways to do this is just, let's do it the old school way. Let's sit down and just make a list. Uh, in one of my courses, I will teach people to grab a notepad and record everything that you spend throughout the day for one week. I'm not talking about a month. We're just one week. Just add up everything you spend. So if you go buy $100 worth of groceries, write down $100 on groceries. You don't have to worry about every item on the grocery list. Just $100 I spent at the grocery store. If you go buy a, a latte, then I want you to write down, I went to Starbucks and I bought a latte and it was $6.23. And, and just write that down. Just do that that for a week. Don't change what you're doing. Don't change anything. Just discover where you're at. Now, during that same week, at some point, I want you to sit down. I want you to get out your utility bills. I want you to look at your housing expense, whether you're paying for a mortgage or a how, or, or rent or whatever. Look at your electric, look at your water, your gas, uh, look at your car insurance, car payments. And let's make a list of all of those obligations. And yes, if you're making credit card payments too, make a list of those. You've got to know what's going out and what's coming in. That creates your starting point. Once you know where you're starting at, we can start to lay out a plan. Again, that's one of the most difficult uh, parts of this whole process because most of us just don't want to face where we're at because we, we are conditioned to be embarrassed or ashamed about our financial situation. But again, just get over it. We're just starting at some place and you're never going to get free unless you know where to start from. So this is a process of knowing where to start. Once you've got a list of all your bills and obligations and you track your spending for a week so you know where you're at, now you can take a look at that list of spending and you can decide, gee, what did I spend on a bunch of little things? How many times did I buy a, a magazine at Walmart or, or, or stop for a, a latte at Starbucks? And, and you can start to add those things up. And then, then you can start to ask yourself, do I really need those things? Or maybe I want to redirect it somewhere else. Look, there's nothing wrong with going out to dinner once in a while. There's nothing wrong with having a Starbucks or a, or a, or a fancy coffee. There's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But you'll find out that most of us do it more often than than we think, and it adds up to thousands of dollars a year that we could be investing in ourselves. Now, when you start with step number two, you're setting financial goals. And one of your financial goals might be to start cutting out on some of the small things. You know, the proverb says that there's wealth comes little by little. And this ancient proverb is so right. Wealth does come little by little. Too often we want to win the lottery. We want to strike it big at some huge investment. We want to hit a home run. Well, that works great if you hit a home run. But statistics have proven that people who win the lottery end up worse off after than they were before because they simply don't know how to handle the money. But when you do it right and it comes in little by little, you build a long-lasting and sustainable wealth. So if wealth comes little by little, then we start with the little things. Those little lattes that you added up on your weekly spending chart, you know, they add up. Like I said, hundreds, possibly thousands of dollars throughout a full 12-month year. They add up a lot. So when you're setting financial goals, maybe the first goal could be re to reduce some of that spending, and that could free up who knows how much money in your budget. I'll tell you one simple thing that my family and I did to free up money in our budget was we, set, we made a plan with our groceries. We discovered that we were going to the grocery store three to five times a week. We'd go for our big shopping through the week, and then if we ran out of milk in the middle of the week, we'd run, get milk. But, but we also found out you can never just walk in and get a gallon of milk for $3.50. 
By the time you get to the milk, you have to go through the pastry aisle, so you end up getting that because you're hungry. Or if you come back, you're coming down where all the boxed cakes and cookies are. You, know, you end up buying something more than just milk. And we found out that our average trip to the grocery store was 30 to $40. Now, for doing that three to five times a week, it's easily 100 to $150 a week that we were spending in groceries. So we made a simple rule. This was part of our financial goals. Let's make a grocery list, and if we miss something on the list, too bad. Start a new list because we're not allowed to go back until next week. When we did that, it freed up over $400 a month from our household expenses. It was $400 a month we were able to use to pay off our bills, to get out of debt, and to start investing into building a better financial future for ourselves. You need to set some financial goals like this. Now, it's easy to set short-term goals like I just talked about on some things you're going to do to change your spending, and I believe that's important. You've got to have those short-term victories. So you set a few short-term goals like that in order to get the process started. But then you've also got to have long-term goals. So what is your long-term goal? Now, you've probably heard me say before the true definition of wealth has nothing to do with the amount of money that's in your bank account. The true definition of wealth is having enough income coming in to sustain your current level of life without working. So that means in order for you to be truly wealthy and enjoy your golden years, you're going to have to build a plan that makes investments into income-producing assets and strategies that will guarantee you've got enough income to provide for your life when you're done working. So you got to start with your long-term goals by determining how much income you're going to need later on in life. When you have that income, then you can start to move toward building that income, but it is a process. So your financial goals come in two steps. Your short-term goals, like I'm talking about, on how you can start redirecting small amounts of money that's small amounts of money that could be invested. See, if you could do like I did and you free up three, $400 a month, you could take that three or $400 a month and you could start investing it into a tax-free income strategy that you could use to build wealth for your future. And you could potentially grow to where you've got, depending on where you're at, anywhere from thirty dollars to $40,000 to $50,000 or more in tax-free income every year just by simply taking your short-term goals of reducing some of the small spending and turning it into a long-term goal to grow income. Now, a lot of that income growth really depends on what age you're starting. If you're older in life, you might need to spend more. If you're younger in life, you can spend less. I've worked with 20 people that are in their mid, mid to early 20s for about 128 bucks a month. They can be well into a millionaire status by the time they hit retirement age and be guaranteed almost $70,000 a year in tax-free income. Somebody who's a little bit older, say in their 50s, you might have to spend $1,000 to $1,500 a month. It really depends on where you're at. But the point is you've got to get started first with the small things and then take those small things and reinvest them into the big things that pre present that income that you need. That's setting your financial goals. Uh, step number three in your financial plan is to prepare for the unexpected. And the best way to prepare for the unexpected is with insurance. Now, we've all got car insurance, at least you should have, and you never know if uh, somebody might rear-end you or run, run a red light and T-bone you in an intersection or just back into you in a parking lot. You can't control what somebody else does. Uh, there's also times when the best drivers have a little mishap, and that's why they're called accidents. So we've got car insurance that takes care of those things. 
We've got health insurance, which has really turned into a, a kind of a debacle. I, I almost look at it like it's legalized and mandated extortion. And as we're recording this at the beginning of 2017, a uh, large Republican uh, 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 gathering in the House, the Senate, and our presidential office is promising to change that. And they'll replace it with something. We know we're going to have some kind of a health care. Uh, but you want to make sure you're picking insurance that's going to cover those what-ifs. Uh, it's not so much on health insurance to have doctor visits as much as it is to cover the unexpected items that go into the hospital. And it's those unexpected items that add up. I, I point out because 62% of bankruptcies are caused by an abundance of medical expenses, and 78% of those people who went bankrupt with the medical expenses had health insurance. They just had the wrong plan. They had a plan that took care of them at the doctor visit and took care of all the little things, but they didn't have a good plan for the big things. So you've got to have some good health coverage. Life insurance is also uh, just an absolute necessity. And there's a lot to consider with life insurance, and we really can't get into all that in this particular episode. But uh, I can tell you with life insurance, some people say by term, and I think term's a great place to start just because it's something that replaces income to provide for your family in case something happens to you. I myself started with term. But you get to a point where you need to invest in some cash value life insurance. And the thing I love about cash value life insurance is you don't have to die to use it. You can get a good insurance policy that, that will pay out to you benefits, some in the lump sum of cash, some in monthly installments, that will pay for you in the case of a chronic illness, in the case of critical or terminal illness. They pay you so that you don't have to die to use it. You can take advantage of those benefits now. That helps you be covered in unexpected circumstances. You can also use those cash value policies to pull out and pay for college. You can use it to fund your own car. You can do a number of things uh, with that, buy investments that grow, and you can build tax-free income with those. So I'd recommend that you do take a look at some different insurance policies. You're going to need that as part of your, your financial plan. Uh, step four, I've already mentioned a little bit earlier on, and that's to keep an eye on your credit. Uh, folks, we got to have a good credit score in today's age. We've got to. I myself, when I came to uh, Florida in 2001, I went to look for a job. It was right up my alley. It's exactly what I'd been doing. The company was eager to see me because the person that filled that position had just given them notice when I walked in and handed them my resume. They were excited. They couldn't wait. They said, we're, we're going to get you started here. We'll, you're here from us in about two weeks. We'll have a start date. We'll have everything. And I was pretty much handed the job right there. And I really needed the job to provide for my family. I've got three kids. They're barely out of diapers at the time. And, and it was very, a, a very much a tough time. But I'd had bad credit. So instead of actually getting a start date for the job, they called me and they had to withdraw the offer. And they had to withdraw the offer because my credit score was just not good enough for them. In other words, I didn't pass the background check because I had bad credit. Today, you've got to have good credit. Uh, good credit could not only get you a job, it could get you qualified for a promotion. Uh, if you try to change your car insurance companies, uh, look for different insurance, life, health, you name it. Your insurance rates can actually be determined by your credit score. It makes a difference. Maybe not as big of an impact with some policies as it does with others, but your credit score does make a difference on your policy price when you're looking at insurance. So you've got to have a good credit score for a number of things. So you maintain a good credit score, and there's all kinds of things to do that. And we'll talk more about that in another episode because very, very important on what it takes to manage and maintain a good credit score. So you've got to build a good credit score. So We've gotten started with your financial plan. 
You've taken a look at where your money goes now by tracking your spending and start to identify where it's at. You've made a list of all your income and expenses and obligations that gives you a good starting point. From there, I'd recommend you start using some kind of a software program to be able to track that. I know it's not very popular. There's lots of great apps out there that work in conjunction with your your smartphone and your PC or tablet. I would highly recommend that you do something to start tracking your expenses because if you don't know where your money's going, you're not going to know how to tell it what to do. We talked about setting financial goals by first tackling the little things that are just eating up your lunch and then using those little things to build towards your long-term goals, and that's building up the income that you need to provide for your life uh, later on. Uh, We talked about being prepared uh, for the unexpected with different insurance policies, and and I'd love to dive down into different insurance policies, and we will in another episode. For now, just know it's part of your a good financial plan. And we looked at the importance of keeping an eye on your credit. Now, these first four steps are the basics. These are things you start looking at. Uh, We keep going, and it stays pretty simple with step five, where you start saving. Now, most of us miss savings. We intend to save later, or I'll tell you what we do with savings. It's exactly what I did when I first started saving. I I suggest you save about 10%. If you can take 10% of your money and put it in a silo, I call it seed, then you can plant that seed into investment uh, uh, growing accounts that are going to compound and grow, and you can build the long-term income. And 10% is adequate. I know some financial gurus recommend anywhere from 10 to 20%. Uh, I hear them say 15% a lot. It really, as long as you're saving at least 10%, if you want to do more, go for it. I find most of us can't even save 10% because we do, like I said, exactly what I did at first. I had my checking account, and I would spend that every week, and by the time payday came around, I needed more. So I needed to start saving, savings for an emergency, because you never know what happens. The big emergency that caused me to turn in life was when my daughter at nine years old crashed on her skateboard and broke off her two front teeth on the sidewalk in front of the house. That was one of those unexpected emergencies that suddenly just drains more than $1,000 from your bank account. When you don't have any savings, you're in trouble. You end up hitting the credit card and then put you deeper in the hole. Well, that was the epiphany that caused me to change. So I decided time to open up a savings account. So I went to my bank, opened up a savings account, and it was linked to my checking. The only problem with that strategy was I knew that if I used my debit card to make a purchase or wrote, write a check and the money wasn't in that account, it would automatically draft from my savings account to cover the deficit. So that meant every time I got paid, I'd put money into savings, but I'd just spend it knowing it would automatically draft and it would be gone by the time I got paid again. And it, The result was I really wasn't saving. So the only way I could get that under control was I went literally just across the street to another bank and I opened a savings account there. I didn't didn't want checking and I did not even ask for debit cards. I denied debit cards. So the only way I could get to that money was to actually go to the bank to make a withdrawal. That meant if I had an emergency, I could access it. But if I was just going to spend $20 more than I needed to at the grocery store, I knew it wouldn't automatically overdraw. It caused me to focus more on controlling my spending, and I wound up building a significant savings in a very short amount of time just because I made the money harder to get to. And when it was harder to get to, I knew I could get to it in an emergency, but I didn't really need it. The extra work would often convince me I didn't need to go spend that money, so I wouldn't. So you got to start saving. If you don't have any savings in your silo, You won't have any seed to plant when it's time to invest. So that's step number five. Step number six, you begin to build a portfolio. Now, it's important to do this in order. 
I've worked with many people throughout the years who have decided they're going to go out and invest in real estate. They're going to learn options trading. They're going to learn learn uh, the stock market. They're going to start trading on NASDAQ. They're going to start day trading and doing all these things to start bringing in money. They're basically going to start to build an investment portfolio, and they look at it as a way to generate income so they can pay off their debt. Well, now you're out of order. See, if you don't get your spending under control first and you don't build a plan and you don't set some goals and you don't put the right stop checks in place with the right insurance and you don't start savings, then you can't build a portfolio. If you try to build a portfolio in order to do all these things, then you're constantly having to rob from yourself. You end up putting yourself deeper in debt because you're having trouble already. You're spending every dollar you make. You're not really controlling your spending. It's controlling you. And then you're having to borrow money in order to invest in whatever you're doing to build a portfolio, whether it's a no money down real estate strategy that you went to or it's options trading. Either way, you've got to have some money to put into that. You're taking energies away from you and your family. It's going to cost you money somewhere. So you've got to do it right. You don't start building a portfolio until you've got some savings. That savings is the seed that you need from your silo to build your portfolio. That's it. Uh, and then step number seven is to simply keep track and monitor your plan. It's good to come back. I come back to mine about four times a year. I start to look at my spending because, hey, I'm not as disciplined as I sound. I, I do give in and go to the grocery store. And usually about three or ever, after two or three months of trying to follow my plan, I've gotten a little bit freed up and I get a little bit relaxed. And I end up going back to the grocery store a couple of times through the week and I get comfortable and I let my guard down. And pretty soon I'm back to spending that $300 a month I don't need to spend again. Because I just let off. So I'm constantly coming back and refocusing on my plan, refocusing on my goals and adjusting. If I'm looking at my investment portfolios and I decide I need to put a little bit more money in, then I'm going to do it. Uh, maybe I've got some extra money because I paid something off and I'll decide, you know, I don't really need a new car because the one I've got is working great and it's paid for. So let me drive it for a couple more years. So instead of making that extra three or $400 a month car payment, let me put that into my investment portfolio, $300 a month. That's $3,600 a year. If you did that for a couple of years into an investment portfolio, especially if it's a cash value life insurance policy, now you can fund your own car purchase and you can pay yourself back interest growing your wealth exponentially. There's all kinds of cool strategies, but it all starts with a plan. So let's take a quick backtrack and just look at these seven steps that I've outlined for you. Step number one, you're going to discover where you're at. Find out what you're spending, where you're spending it, and how much you're spending. Then we can get under control. And that's step number two, to set some financial goals. The small goals first, to eliminate the small leaks in your bucket by getting rid of all the unnecessary little expenditures. And then you set larger goals by redirecting all those small expenditures, everything you're saving from there, back into long-term investment strategies. Depending on where you're at, one of the first investment strategies might be to pay down some debt before you build wealth. You might start looking at building tax-free income in a wealth-building type account, but you've got to set both your short-term and long-term financial goals. Then you go to step three and you start looking at your insurance. Review your insurance. Review your health plan. Review your car, your auto insurance, your homeowner's plan, and take a look at the types of life insurance that you've got. Vitally important to be prepared for the unexpected, and there's no better way to prepare than a good insurance policy. Then step number four, let's look at your credit. Let's see what we can do to improve your credit score and then keep an eye on it. Manage it properly because a good credit score means lower insurance rates. It means better chances at new jobs, promotions, all kinds of opportunities that are opened up to us because we've got a better credit score. 
Step number five, you start savings. You've got to put some seed in the silo in order to invest and build a portfolio that generates the kind of income you need later on in life. And that brings you to step six. When you have adequate savings, now you've got enough seed in your silo to start building your portfolio. And step number seven is just to keep track of your plan. Monitor and keep track. A lot of us plan for a vacation. Few of us plan with our finances. If more of us made a financial plan, then more of us would finish this life financially free. Do yourself and your family a favor. Sit down now and start working on your financial plan so that you can have a more stable financial future to take care of you and your family. In this country, in our economy, there is absolutely no reason why everybody can't be financially free. And it all starts with a great plan. So I'd encourage you to get started with your plan today. Hey, I'm Troy. Thanks for joining me. Tune back again as we continue to look at ways that you can improve your finances, simplify them to where you understand them and control them better, and find ways to increase your income, eliminate debt, and build real and lasting wealth. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Simply Finance Podcast with host Troy Peterson. We hope you were able to take away some essential strategies for recapturing control of your finances and, more importantly, enhancing your life. This podcast is made possible by Palma Bella Consulting. For access to more episodes of this podcast or further financial coaching tools, please visit us at www.palmabella.com. And remember, if you want to simplify your life, start by simplifying your finances. The wealth revolution has arrived with Palma Bella Consulting. Because we believe everyone should be financially free. And it all starts today when you log on to palmabella.com. We teach. We'll give you the tools to become financially free. Eliminate debt. Build your wealth. Increase your income. Be a part of the wealth revolution. Let us help you pay off your mortgage, student loans, credit cards, or any other type of debt in a fraction of the time of your current payment plan. Let Palma Bella Consulting teach you how to become financially independent. It's possible for you to turn your debt into double, even triple the equity in the same period of time. See us online for a schedule of our webinars and to schedule a 360 diagnostic of your current financial situation. We're at palmabella.com. palmabella.com. A financial strategy. Your financial strategy. Visit palmabella.com. Real tools, real solutions. Because we believe everyone should be financially free. Palmabella Consulting.